That is Sunrise, somewhere very near to me, uh, across the Fens, a place called Connington. Pretty spectacular. I mean, it's the colors. You've got yellows, golds, like azure, blue, grays, pinks, reds. I used to work in Peterborough in an um, office about four stories. I was on the third story. I used to get in early. I used to be in by 7 o'clock. And again, you had spectacular sunrises um, and sunsets as well. I didn't often work that late, but even when it got dark, you know, I used to see the sunsets as well. And you know, they are, it's quite incredible. And then have a look here, the night sky. Probably we've got too many lights on, but anyway. Um, if you actually ever see the night sky when there's hardly any natural light. I, about 40, you know, about 1983, I was in the Sinai Desert um, for a, a week or so in a Bedouin fishing village. I should have been at university, but uh, I decided to, with a friend, to go off, and I was two weeks late um, for university. I think, I don't know, I never used to go to the lectures. I thought no one would actually notice I wasn't there, but someone did. But anyway, when you see the night sky there, it's absolutely breathtaking. And the moonlight, you can see for miles, just that silvery glow of the moon. So, and so when we look at, you know, these, you know, God's creation, we struck with awe. I don't know. I mean, do any of you have any particular um, sights or sounds or anything that you've seen in creation which you find, you know, just you say, wow. I don't know. If anybody wants to say so, please do. Or forever hold your peace. Okay. As I say, creation is incredible. And through creation, God speaks um, to us through the beauty. It shows his power, his greatness, his creativity. Verses 5 to 6. Let me just get you on to Psalm 19. These first four verses, I'll read it out to you. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the earth. So you see what the psalmist says, David saying when you look up to the night sky when you see a sunrise or whatever it might be which you just stand back and think you know wow you're stunned by it we can see the work of almighty God the heavens declare the glory um, of God and in verses 5 to 6 which I haven't got up here it talks about the sun that life giving um, Sun, which you know rises and dips down. So, and Paul in his letter to the Romans, right at the beginning, chapter one, he says, We are without excuse to know there's a creator God when we see creation. You know, we can recognize there is a creator God, an almighty God. But is what Almighty God reveals in creation, 
when we look at a sunset, when we look at the night sky? Does that tell us about God in terms of who he is, his grace, his mercy, his love, how good he is? I wonder. It certainly tells us there is a creator, but, you know, we enjoy his creation, but so many of us, all of us, in fact, as Paul says, turn our back on one who's created this world and these spectacular, um, beautiful um, signs in nature to show us as a creator God. But let me have a look. Let me show you this. You know, we just sang, didn't we? All praise to him, a God of light, who formed the mountains by his might. All praise to him who names the stars. That's what we sang right at the beginning of the service. All praise to him who reigns in love, guides the galaxies above, yet bends to hear our every prayer, with sovereign power and tender care. So here we go. Here's a picture. Now, I have spoken to my educational consultants. That's my daughter, Katrina, who's a primary school teacher, and my wife, who was a primary school teacher. And they told me that key stage two pupils might have a fair stab at working out who painted this picture. However, as I say, we are very thin on the ground in year twos or indeed year ones. So, and to show that education hasn't been wasted on um, our youngsters, I'll throw it open to anybody up to probably sixth form, which is year 12 and 13 now, old money sixth form. Anybody brave enough to give a stab and say who painted that picture? If not, I've got Dan Schwer. I can always rely on him. Mm -hmm. No. Monet. Well done. Right. So, what does that picture tell us about Monet? I would say it shows he's a great artist. It shows he likes water lilies. Um, probably somewhere down there is something squiggled with Monet on it which would probably tell you he's probably French or Belgian. But beyond that, what does it actually tell us about Claude Monet? And possibly, as I say, beyond the fact he's a great artist, he was in the school of impressionist art. Uh, you know, I think this was um, painted 1899. Anybody know what it's called? No, don't worry. Google says... The lily pond. So there you go. Someone else says something about a Japanese bridge. But anyway, but the point is, we can see that he's a skilled artist in much the same way as we look at creation. We can, we are without any excuse to know there is a creator God. But, but, just as we we would have to talk to the artist we can't do now because he's dead, but read something about him or talk to someone who knew him. Similarly, when we look at creation, as I say, we don't have an excuse to say there is no creator God. But, you know, does creation enable us to know everything or everything we need to know about God, to have that relationship, to 
come to him knowing that all of us have turned away from him, turned our back on him, which the Bible calls sin. You know, we love to enjoy the world which he has created, but we've been rebelling against him, the maker, almighty God. So we need to hear what he tells us about himself, what he reveals to us. I mean, it's interesting, you know, people say things along the lines of, you know, when I see a sunset or I'm in the, you know, the fells in the Lake District or when I see the night skies, you know, I feel really close to God. I just wonder, though, it's interesting. You never hear people say, I feel really close to God in Storm Babette. Or you don't hear someone say, in the earthquakes, I feel really close to God. Because, and God is Lord of all creation. In an earthquake, you might cry out to God for help, for mercy. But, you know, you have lots of people saying, oh, I I really feel close to God when I see a sunrise, a sunset. But, you know, God is the Lord of all creation. And this is what um, a hymn writer, his name was Isaac Watts, um, probably the writer of my favorite hymn, um, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. This, so this is old, sort of early 19th century English. So it's a, a bit tricky to work out exactly. What he says is, the heavens declare thy glory, Lord. In every star the wisdom shines. But when our eyes behold the world, we read thy name in fairer lines. So I think what he's saying is, yes, creation tells us how, what an incredible um, maker, creator God you are, your power, your, um, which you've poured into it. But when we look at God's word, when we see what he has revealed about himself through his word, the scriptures, the Bible, through the prophets, and supremely through the Lord Jesus Christ, then we get to hear what God says about himself, about who he is, his sovereign power, his grace, his mercy, one who is abounding in steadfast love, to say one who is also sovereign in power. But it's only when we come to his word, which reveals who he is to us, and his purpose, and above all, the problem of humanity, that we've all turned away from God, and we need to come back to him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to look at what he has revealed in his word to us. That's what we're going to do next, but before we do that, we are going to sing Jesus Strong and Kind. Um, Again, as I say, Above all else, God's word points to Jesus. I know some of you have the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it says every page whispers his name. Perhaps that's a bit of an oversimplification, but that is what the Bible, it is all about Christ and his rescue plan through his Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when musicians begin to play, let's sing Jesus Strong and Kind. 19 where we've seen that creation declares the glory of the Lord. But as we've um, thought about, to truly know God, to have that relationship, we need to see what God reveals about himself, God's word. So 
We're going to do that now by looking at the next um, few verses of, the, of Psalm 19. Let me read it for you. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the law, Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from a honeycomb. Did you notice as we went through those verses, particularly the first nine, that word which is repeated time and time and time and time again, the Lord. And he's revealing something of himself in his precepts, in his statutes, in his law, in his commands, his decrees. It's his word in terms of the law. And the law isn't just the Ten Commandments. The law is the first five books of uh, the, the Torah, amongst many other things. So we see there, Lord is repeated many times because this is the Lord's word, God's word. Have a look here. See these words? See if you can spot where. Get your Bibles open if you haven't got them open, if you can, or your phones or whatever screen you're using, and have a look and see if you can see whereabouts in those verses 6 to 9 you can find them. So let me read them out. Joy, trustworthy, perfect, radiant, wise, enduring, righteous. And then we'll go through them. I'll just give you a little time. Don't worry, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. We'll go through this together. Well, so, joy. Do you see that in verse 8? Trustworthy, verse 6. Perfect, we find that in verse 6 as well. Where do we get radiant? Verse 8. Wise, verse 6 again. Enduring, verse 9. Righteous, verse 9. Psalm 19 is a psalm of David, and it's what, part of what we call the Old Testament. 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. We'll read it in a moment. Just tell you a little bit about Timothy. This is a map which shows the journey of Paul, and for much of it he was accompanied by Timothy, um, Paul was on going around the Near East, what is now modern Turkey, Greece. He finally went to Rome to be executed. But it was in that Mediterranean area there, and Timothy accompanied him for much way. And Timothy became a leader, one of the churches Paul planted at Ephesus. And this is 
like a reconstruction of the city of Ephesus. If you've ever been there, you can see there's the amphitheater there, the temple to Zeus. I, w I did go there quite some time ago. It's quite spectacular. So Timothy, as I say, was young, and many of people in the church probably were turning away, didn't want to listen to Timothy, and above all, not just to Timothy, but God through his word. Let me read to Timothy, um, chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. I'm just going to turn around this way. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Or scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, you know, we see there how a similarity, don't we? Obviously, to Timothy was um, a letter which was written to Christians after um, Christ had died and rose again and descended into heaven. But we saw in, verse, uh, in Psalm 19 how it enabled you to be wise. God's word was trustworthy. It was radiant amongst the many things. Um, enduring, righteous, joy. And again, here we see that let me just flick back to it, how if we um, trust and believe and read God's word, we say it's all scriptures God breathed. It comes from almighty God. And it's useful teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped with every good word. But also, did you notice there in Psalm 19? I'll read it to you. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord my rock, my redeemer. So do you see there, not only we've seen how it equips um, the person fully to live for Christ. We saw in 2 Timothy. But as we look back to Psalm 19, it also made them aware of their sins. This is the temple, or was the temple in Jerusalem. Again, it's another reconstruction. When David wrote this psalm, he, um, it wasn't built. Um, his son, Solomon, built it. But when Solomon built the temple, they came and made sin um, offerings in the temple. Once a year, you have the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, when the priest, the high priest, would go into the Holy of Holies to offer um, a sacrifice to sin, covering all the people. The, Jew, the um, Jews knew full well that the temple didn't contain you know, the creator God. I mean, you think of Psalm 19, the heavens declare 
the glory of the Lord. But nonetheless, it was a picture of God and his people together. It was that picture language, if you like. And then when we think about 2 Timothy, we, we saw, didn't we, that and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So the temple and those sin offerings and the day of atonement, they were all pointing, they were provisional, if you have, they were all pointing to when Christ came and his sin-bearing sacrifice on the cross and then his rising again after three days. So, as it says there, it makes us wise for salvation. It's part of God's rescue plan to bring back those who belong to him um, through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice and that new life which comes through his resurrection. And Christ now reigns at the right hand of the Father. So, as I say, this is what we, when we look at the Bible, when we look at God's word, what it reveals to us. And we've seen those um, things, those things which are necessary above all else for us to come to that saving relationship with Christ. I'm just going to finish on one final thing. Now, this is Winnie the Pooh. I think he's one of the most underrated thinkers or philosophers of the 20th century. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Before we do that, let's have a look here. I'll read it. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. And here you have honeycomb. Um, we know that honey is good. It's sweet. And I know not everybody likes honey, but I certainly do. And when we think about, you know, our great thing for the 20th century, I mean, who doesn't love Winnie the Pooh? And above all, his friends as well. That can give you a real insight into people's characters. I'm sure all of us know a Tigger. Those people who are a bit tiring after a while, abounding in enthusiasm, or, you know, think of a piglet, one of those sort of timorous characters, or Eeyore, which is who I definitely um, can, can align myself with. But you see, Winnie the Pooh, he loved honey. And when he saw a jar, it might have had honey written on it, but he needed to make sure it was honey. So he would open up the paper covering the jar and look inside, and it looked like honey, the color of it, but as his uncle had said long ago, you get cheese, which is the same color as honey. So the only way that he's going to know it's honey is by putting his paw, putting his tongue into what's inside that jar to see if there's honey. He's got to taste it. And we read in Psalm 34, don't we? Taste and see. The Lord is good. Blessed is one who takes refuge in him. So we've been talking about the Bible. We've been talking about creation. We're saying how, above all, we need God's word to, because that reveals, God reveals himself to us through his word. And supremely, it points to his son, the Lord Jesus. But we want to know God, not know about God. And we can know loads of stuff about the Bible. We might, I wish I could remember Bible verses. I'm hopeless. But, you know, some people can do all of that. But that's of little benefit if they don't know God. And the only way we know God is by 
taste and see the Lord is good. And when we taste something, it goes inside us, and we feel it as it goes down, and it changes us. It's not something out there. It's something in there. And so we've been thinking about the Bible. We've been thinking about Psalm 19. We've thought of, you know, Creator God and the wonders of creation. But the Bible tells us, reveals to us what God says about himself, says about us, and says that each one of us need to come to him, turn around, put their trust in him. And when we do that, then we continue we continue reading his word, tasting and seeing that the Lord is God. It's an experience, experiential. It's not something know, it's not something to know about. It's something to know. So I think that we have almost finished our time looking at this together. Do you remember what we sang? Um, Speak, O Lord. And it says, shape and, shape and fashion us in your likeness. And that, isn't it, when we taste and see, when we experience God, that is what it do. It shapes us and fashions us more and more into the likeness of Christ. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing our final song. Father God, we do thank you that you reveal yourself to us you reveal yourself to us in creation. But even more so, you reveal how good you are, good and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love for those who trust you. And we know that through your word, this Bible. We just thank you for your word, and we pray again for your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and minds so more and more our lives do conform to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ.